Welcome to the Raising Parents podcast, support for the journey of parenting. Kids don't come with manuals. Your children look to you, but who do you look to for support? Our goal at Raising Parents is to support you in the important mission of parenting. Often we can feel unequipped for the task of parenthood, and our children are constantly growing and every day holds new challenges and opportunities. We believe that informed and transformed parents positively impact their children's lives. Informed by social science and Christian faith, the Raising Parents podcast is a practical resource to equip and encourage parents. That's why it's critical we keep growing in every way, more and more like Christ. The Raising Parents podcast is a ministry of Highland Park Community Church, Casper, Wyoming. Well, it's May. And let me be one of the first to wish you a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And today we are talking about motherhood as spiritual discipline and the concept that just being a mother is a spiritual practice. And I'm so excited to introduce our special guest today, author and speaker, Catherine McNeil, wife and mother of three, trained in counseling and theology. She is on the lookout for wisdom, beauty, and a cup of iced coffee. She's the author of Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood as Spiritual Discipline, and All Shall Be Well, Awakening to God's Presence in His Messy, Abundant World. Thank you so much for being with us, Catherine. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. So this is a fun conversation because Catherine and I were students together at Wheaton College, and we are reconnecting about one or two decades since our last conversation, and I have been digging into her book this month, and let me just say, I'm not always the biggest fan of Christian mom books. In fact, I usually want to throw them onto the ash heap and light them on fire, but this one is different. I highly recommend this book, Long Days of Small Things. Catherine, I have highlighted, underlined, dog-eared, paper-clipped, amen this book so many times. Thank you so much for being with us today. And can you shared with me that you wrote this book in the lobby of your church while your kids were in preschool. How did you get that done, girl? Ah, It's true. I did. Uh, Well, I just want to chime in and say I generally don't like mom books either. Um, So that's actually part of why I wrote this. And um, yes, I wrote this book. Um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9.30 to 11 a.m. in my church lobby after I dropped my youngest off at preschool. That was the only time uh, I had a moment to think or sit or do something without someone crawling on me. So that is when I wrote this book. Awesome. Now, this book says motherhood as spiritual discipline. Can you just explain what is that concept of spiritual discipline? Maybe some people are unfamiliar with that term and discipline feels like, you know, giving your kid a spanking. That's Absolutely. not not, yes. not what you not, mean, right? Not that, no. <laughs> Although sometimes uh, motherhood does feel like a spiritual spank. <laughs> well, I think probably a phrase most people would be more comfortable with today is practice or a spiritual practice. Um, but historically, throughout all of the faith, there have been things that we have done to kind of hone our muscles. Um, God is always with us. God's love is always here. God's grace is always abundant. There's nothing we need to do to earn that or convince God to come to us. But there have been things that we've done for ourselves to make it easier for us to keep our eyes on God, make it more 
readily available to remember to rest in God's presence. So those have been called spiritual disciplines. Um, They include prayer, um, service, meditation, reading scripture, meditating on scripture, memorizing scripture, uh, studying scripture, uh, fasting, feasting, celebration, any kind of thing that you do specifically in order to nourish your spiritual life could be considered a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice. And just like any, you know, if I want to run a marathon, I could probably sign up to run one and just show up and no one's going to stop me, but I'm not actually going to have a very good time unless I've day after day after day kind of shown up and tried to do the work to get a little stronger. So similarly, God, God's love is always there. God's salvation is always at hand. God's kindness and grace are always in abundance, but I'm simply going to have a better experience of my life if I am actively forming myself into someone who is showing up for that grace and that kindness. Now, Catherine, as we talked earlier, um, you mentioned that for a lot of moms, once they become a mom or have the second or third kid, it feels like I'm suddenly failing at church. The things that I used to do to connect to God are not working anymore. So I, I, I get my sorry, tired body to church and my children in reasonable clothing and they're crying through the service and I miss it anyways. Or I'm walking around the foyer chasing a toddler and we've got Cheerios everywhere and old people are staring at us, judging us, or we're feeling that way. Or maybe we used to have a pattern of waking up early and having a quiet time with God. And now we're too tired to do that because we've been up nursing a baby all night. Or there is no waking up before the child because the moment you get up, they're up too. So you mentioned before that moms can feel like in the struggle of mothering, not only do they have that struggle, but now they're feeling disconnected from the life of faith, from the life of the church, from the ways that they were connecting with God. And it can kind of feel like a double whammy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, the back of my book, uh, the back of Long Days of Small Things says, rich practices for moms who have neither quiet nor time. (laughs) I love that. uh, that's really important to me because I'm kind of a faith enthusiast. I love uh, digging in to the spiritual life and relationship with God and understanding the different components of theology and worship and um, how that transforms a person and a community. And then suddenly I had kids and I realized that all the tools that I had been given or that I had developed over time just were not available to me anymore. And, you know, I didn't have quiet and I didn't have time, but I really had always been told that I needed to find 30 to 60 minutes of silence and solitude every single day if I was going to really be serious about having a spiritual life. Um, one of the things that really launched uh, the the need for me to write this book is I was pregnant with my third child. I write about this in the book actually, but I was pregnant with my third child. So I had, you know, her with me in my body, literally attached to my body at every moment of the day and night. And I had a toddler and I had a preschooler and I had snuck away to go to a conference. I was so excited about it. My kids were, my boys were in uh, the nursery. The baby was in my tummy and the man who was speaking just his entire message was that 
you just simply cannot grow as a Christian if you have not found one hour every single day to be totally alone and to be totally silent before God. And it just broke me because I can't even go to the bathroom by myself as a mom. I don't sleep in a bed by Mm. myself. There's people piling on me always, Mm. any time of the day or the night. And I felt that voice saying, this is not possible for you. If, if finding an hour alone and silent is kind of the, the entrance fee for a relationship with God, then God is not accessible. You know, I think of that worship song that says, I am not alone. I am yes. not alone. And I'm like, that is my life as a there mom. There are kids before me. You are there always are with me. me. Yeah, like, <laughs> I am not alone. I have a friend with three girls, and she, like, locked herself in the bathroom to be alone. And they had their, they were sending notes under the door that was like, oh, Mommy, yes. are you okay? Can we talk? That is me. Yeah. I, my kids send me notes under the door if I lock the door. Absolutely. Yeah, and so this idea that the only way that we could connect with God is through this 30 minutes or 60 minutes quiet time alone has Mm -hmm. felt really condemning for moms of small children because it's not possible. So if that is the myth or the lie, or I mean, and that's a great practice. And I did that for like more than a decade and it formed me spiritually. But can I just say that that died with baby number two? Like I could kind of make it happen, baby number one, but baby number two, baby number three, it was like something else has got to happen. So what are those other ways that you found to connect with God? And then how did you discover that the actual practice of mothering was spiritual? Yeah. Well, I've, I'm grateful to God because as I was hearing this voice saying, there's no room for you here. <laughs> there's no there's, room at the inn. There's no room at the inn for moms. Or dads, I don't want to be exclusive. Um, you know, parents in general are dealing with this. Uh, I, God just kept convicting me over and over again that God is the creator. God made wombs. God made babies. God made infants. God made nursing, breastfeeding, and all the demands that come with all these things. And he's not like, man, I created all of humanity to spend like half of their energy caring for the relentless demands of the people that I created and gave to them to care for. Uh, And that's totally in conflict with my plan for having a relationship with them. Mm. You know, what was I thinking? Um, It occurred to me that the creator, the creator of moms, the creator of babies knew what he was doing and was not at all taken aback by the demands and that, in fact, I was joining with God every single moment of my day because God is the creator and I was creating. God is the nurturer and I was nurturing. God is the parent and I was parenting. And everything that I was doing, whether it was necessarily sinking into my head or not, was me joining with our creator and our savior in the work that he was doing in my family and in my body and in my children's body. Um, and that, that just shifted everything for me that there, I didn't need to find more time to do something else because I was already doing the work that God had given me to do. And, um, I think another component here is that we 
think of spiritual as something that happens in this like clean environment that is only engaging our minds and there's Mm. no noises and there's no smells and there's no chaos. And I love that. I got to tell you, I could probably spend half of every day, like in a meditation chamber, just sort of listening to the soothing music. I don't like chaos at all. I do not thrive in chaos at all. But what God kept saying to me is that God created the noise and the smells and the work and the exhaustion and the sweat and the blood and the water of real life. And then he said, this is where you find me. Jesus came and took on a body. He was born out of a womb. He died. His body died. And it's all of these aspects. That's how he saved us. That's how he met us. That's how he taught us. That's how he touched us. So why are we trying to get outside of those physical aspects of creation and saying that can't be where God is? God must be in this other clean, quiet place. Um, So God just kept on reminding me of these things that it's in the world that God made that I can find God. I don't have to get to a quiet, unchaotic spot. I can find God in the chaos Mm. because God made it. Awesome. I read a book once called My Minivan is My Monastery. And yes. <laughs> and it's just this idea that like God is with me while I drive the carpool and my van it can get nasty with Cheerios and oh yeah. melted candy in the back and half-broken crayons, you know, and and so God is with us in the mess of mothering and he embodies that. You wrote this quote in your book Motherhood spirituality is not plan B for those of us with no other choice, making the best of a bad situation. So it's not like half-baked, sorry, you couldn't be really spiritual, so instead you get this process of mothering. It is the process that God has given to so many women to transform our souls. And some of those spiritual disciplines, they might shift from being, you know, this quiet time, 30 minutes alone, to a life of service, a Mm -hmm. life of sacrifice. I think about the dethronement of self that happens in motherhood where I used to be, what do I want to eat? When do I want to sleep? What do I need? And now Mm -hmm. that I has shifted to what do these beings that I've helped (laughs) to create, what do they need? Where are they? Are they safe? Are they fed? And even the power you talk in your book about the incarnation, how Jesus took on flesh, took Mm -hmm. on a body and was born and lived in this world. And that we have this unique, amazing opportunity to experience what it's like to in flesh a human being and to birth them and to nurture them from our bodies and to sustain them with life-giving milk. And these analogies of, of birth, of breastfeeding, of raising up children are all throughout scripture because Mm -hmm. like you said Jesus was in the world right he ate food and he got hot and he got sweaty and he was born and he nursed on his mother's breast and yeah sometimes I think in the Protestant tradition we have so shied away from Mary that Mm -hmm. we miss this beautiful model of what it means to mother and to nurture. So in your book, you mentioned how Mary and that kind of her experience of mothering connected with you. Will you share with us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I had been kind of look on the lookout for a spiritual hero who could relate to where I was at. You know, I I had been reading an article about a man who uh, the biographer said that he was so spiritual that he ooded he oozed God's presence just as he walked from one room to the next. And I pictured myself walking from one room to the next, like with three children and a few diaper bags, you know, and I thought to myself, I am not exuding spiritual life or peace or whatever. I'm exuding chaos. And again, it was just another like, okay, you know, I just, there's no room here for me. Uh, but then I kind of turned my mind to Mary, or I, I, I want to rephrase that God turned my mind to Mary. Um, and I, I happened to be walking through this chapel. I, like I said, I'm kind of a faith enthusiast. I was literally just going for a walk and I saw a church with the doors open and I walked in and, um, there was all these stained glass windows, um, portraying the life of Jesus from the vision or the, from the perspective of Mary. So it was the angel coming in and and the annunciation saying that Mary was going to be the bearer of the Messiah. And then uh, there was the birth. And then there was Jesus missing at the temple when they've, they've gone home. And then there was her watching from afar as he did his ministry and taught the people and fed and healed and loved on the crowds. And then there was his death. And then um, it just, it was during this time of wrestling and this time of kind of seeking for God in this new space as a mom. And I realized that God's work was done, was begun in a woman's body and in the fundamental um, reality of reproduction and, and a family um, that God did not come down from earth on a thunderbolt or a cloud, like someone from mythology and, you know, stand with a booming voice on a mountain. Um, he did that elsewhere in the Bible, but in Jesus, God came in a woman's body and he knows what we're going through. He knows what these years are like, how precious, but also how demanding. And, um, and he's right here with us along the way. He's not asking us to be super moms or superheroes that somehow are carrying all of this weight and all of this responsibility, um, but also not being impacted by it. It's it's in how this impacts us that we find God. That's where God's present for us. I love how you said in your book that Jesus first announced his incarnation and his resurrection to women. Yeah. So Mary was yeah. the first to find out that Messiah was finally coming. And mm-hmm. then in the tomb, the women were there looking for the body. And the good news that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead was announced to the women. And so you see this honored position where women are present, they are faithful, they are engaged in spirituality. And throughout the New Testament, they are providing for the financial needs of Jesus. They are cooking. They are at his feet learning. And so I think one of my big takeaways is that spirituality isn't something we just set aside time to do quiet by ourselves, but it is how we live. And so some of the simple practices that I have adopted as my spirituality has shifted becoming a mom One thing I love to do is audio scripture. I can use my Bible app on my phone and 
you know, vacuum the house and hear like three books of the New Testament. Yeah, I do that too. Yeah. So just this idea of the the word of God just kind of like, I feel like it's washing over me. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and God knows I have to fold laundry and God knows I, I have to keep my eyes on these children and I've got to chop food. And also like reading a children's Bible with my child and talking about it, that that is not just for them that that story can be for me too in that conversation. Like it says in in Deuteronomy, they said, you know, teach these things, impress these things on your children as you sit down and as you get up and as you walk along the way. And, And so God's not saying, you know, go to church and be spiritual with your children or find a time alone to hide away from your children. He's saying, as you get up with your children, as you yeah. go to bed with your children, as you sit in your home and as you walk along the way, or for us, as you drive, like mm-hmm. while you are living, be my follower. Talk about me. Enjoy, sing songs to me. Invite God into that life where it's this experience of the presence of God with me in my everyday ordinary life. Like Mm -hmm. Brother Lawrence said, he talked about practicing the presence of God. And he said, I can flip a cake on the griddle like he's making a pancake in the monastery. He said, for the love of God. And I Mm -hmm. thought, I can relate to that. If I can flip a pancake for the love of God, if he can do that in the monastery, I can do that for my four-year-old. Absolutely. That everything is holy. Yes. Every chapter of this book, I end with three practices. And these are things that we're doing anyway. I have everything in here from driving the car to eating dinner to taking a breath. And I say, you know, during those seasons when you don't have the time or the energy to add more things into your life to seek God, as much as I love those practices, we can take what we're already doing and use those as vehicles for our spiritual formation and our worship and our prayer. And, um, you know, breathing, it doesn't matter how busy you are or how chaotic or hectic things are, you still have to breathe. Um, and so, I encourage us to use even something as simple as that as a reminder to remind yourself that God is here and that we can rest in God's presence, even as we're chasing our toddler down the grocery store aisle. And again, I never want to add layer of pressure. Um, I'm not saying that you have to like live in this constant state of relying on God with every breath. But if even one time a day, I remember to breathe in intentionally and just thank God for today's breath, even for just that one second of that one breath, that makes a difference for me. It really does. And if one moment at the traffic light, I remember to lift my eyes to the sky and thank God for his presence, that makes a difference in my day. So yes, I, I totally agree with you and with Brother Lawrence, and I have three practices at the end of every chapter of things that moms and dads are doing anyway, and how we can use those to reconnect with God and even with our own, even with our own selves. What I would love to see is a shift where, in, where young moms and all moms feel instead of feeling condemned by their inability to do a set of behaviors or practices um, like for God or like working hard to get to their spiritual things, that they would feel 
loved, mm-hmm. supported, yes, appreciated, affirmed. Like when you are up in the middle of night breastfeeding that baby or comforting that one who's having a night terror, that you are not alone, that God yeah. sees you, that he values that service, that that is sacrifice, that that is the kind of love where Jesus says, when we lay down our lives for our friend, right? We're laying down our lives for our children bit by bit, moment by moment. They are polishing off our selfishness and our pride and our self-centeredness. Yes. And that through, like, I've been a mom for about 15 years now. I can look back and say, wow, I was being transformed. Absolutely. And I am being transformed by this process. First, by um, the ownership of my life being kind of dismantled, Mm -hmm. where I'm no longer in charge of my rhythms of sleep and self-care and just that, that big upheaval that a baby brings. And, and then orienting my days and schedules around the needs of someone else. And then now as I'm moving into having teenagers, learning to let them go. Yeah. Learning to trust God with these children that I value so much. You talk about the discipline of sacrifice and surrender. It is Mm -hmm. so stinking scary, right? We love them so much. And then we just want to like go bubble wrap the world for them. Yeah. Yes, we do. Absolutely. I think back to Mary and there are these two statues. Uh, One is a statue I have in my office and it's Mary with a little toddler Jesus on her knee. Mm. Hmm. And it's so touching to me because my kids aren't that age anymore. I have my youngest is eight. And so I love those moments when my Google photos pop up and I have a toddler on my back that now only grunts and is man-sized. And I always, I miss that kid. You know, I miss that that intimacy and that hand-holding and the laughter and the snuggling and that closeness. But then the other little statue is the Pieta, which is a picture of Mary Mm -hmm. holding the dead body of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so that mothering, it's this amazing love and connection, but it's also suffering and pain and loss and death of dreams that our children aren't going to grow up and fulfill every longing that we had for them, that they're yeah. going to live an independent life mm-hmm. and we can't control what happens to them, good or bad. We have to trust God. And so there we see that theme of Mary just charting this course for us. Like she has the dead body of Jesus the soul, the sword pierced her very soul, but yet there was a, a resurrection there too, where yeah. a dream died, but a dream was reborn. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, he talked about the gospel um, in ways that his fishermen, farming, uneducated, impoverished, oppressed friends could understand. He talked about being a shepherd and he talked about fishing. Um, He talked about the wheat and planting fields. And he said, this is how you understand the gospel. This is where the good news is. This is where the kingdom of God is. These are the things that he used, these everyday things that you touch with your hands and that you 
do with your body. He said, this is, this is how you understand the kingdom of God. And I think if Jesus were here today, hanging out with us moms, he would be talking about peanut butter sandwiches and baby carrots and sippy cups and Daniel tiger and lovies and snugglies and saying, you can figure out the gospel this way. Like the kingdom of God is right here. And I am right here because all these things that we're doing every single day, these are God things. This is God work that we're doing. Amen. And we, we don't need to somehow find some extra time to, to seek God because God is right in the middle of what we're doing, the kingdom of God, the good news and God's presence, God himself is right here in the center of whatever it is, the, the laundry that we're folding and the, the Cheerios that we're cleaning up off yep. of the ground. Isn't it amazing so. how small little Cheerios can get when they, they dried small. out on the floor <laughs> for, I once had a, so much food under the high chair that the ants sur- like bypassed the trash can and just came to eat under the high chair. Oh, you know, dear. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Yes. And so often we have so sterilized our experience of faith that we're like, let the little children go away to another room because they're loud. Let right. the little children leave the service because they're interrupting and go in a quiet room that is noise sealed. Right. And I can just imagine, you know, that film Daddy Daycare, like Jesus is there and the kids are all over him. And he's saying, let the little children come to me. And I've had moments where, you know, I get up early and I'm like, today is going to be different. Today I'm Mm going to read my Bible. And like, you know, two minutes and 30 seconds in a kid comes and it's like, oh, this kid is interrupting my practice of spirituality. And it's like, no, let the little children come to me. Scoop them up yeah. on your yeah. lap. What are you doing, mommy? I'm reading the Bible. You want to hear? And it might last only three more minutes, you know? Absolutely. Let the little children come to me. And as Mary said, may it be to me as you have said, right? Yes. So we are allowing this process of mothering to change us. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for we have just scratched the surface of the beauty that God has put in the experience of mothering. And I'd just like to close with a prayer that you wrote in your book, Catherine. And this is what it says. We are not unseen. He himself is the one who sees us. On this day, so full of joy and difficulty, work and rest, I celebrate you, sister, honored mother, you with all of your flaws and impatience, courage and feisty determination, nurture and nagging insecurities. You are a woman of God, a daughter, a creator. May you always stand tall and sing. Happy Mother's Day.